The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Start! You can call me Bruce. Bruce Nolan is standing by. Hey, wacky Bruce! Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to a Friday edition of the Bruce Exclusive a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. I don't think there's a better way to go into Friday than talking about what we're going to talk about today. I can't think of a more apt topic for this Friday edition of the Bruce Exclusive than fullbacks. That's right. We're going to do an entire pod on fullback. I have two pages of notes on just fullbacks. And we're going to dive right into it. Why? Why are we talking about fullbacks? Well, we're talking about fullbacks because fullbacks is a topic of conversation now. And it's a topic of conversation because of Reggie Gilliam and the potential that he might make this team over Patrick DeMarco, which I don't think anyone who has talked to the coaching staff has watched the practices would say that that's impossible for Reggie Gilliam to make the team. And I think a lot of the discussions this offseason, as they have revolved around the offense, have kind of touched on sort of the fullback in a peripheral way. You know, we talk about Josh Allen bombing it deep to Patrick DeMarco. We talk about Patrick DeMarco as a salary cap cut. We talk about 11 personnel and getting rid of a fullback, not using them as much. So it's kind of peripherally touching on fullbacks, but we're going to dive right in. We're going to jump right into fullbacks, specifically what to do at the fullback position for the Buffalo Bills. The first option of three is don't carry one. The second option of three is keep Patrick DeMarco. And the third option of three is keep Reggie Gilliam. 
So we are going to go through all three of those options as to what to do at the fullback position for the Buffalo Bills and evaluate them all on their merits. We are going to start right at the beginning with what about the idea of just not keeping one at all? Because that's one of the options. Some teams don't carry a fullback. Let's talk about the importance of a fullback position in general, because I think that sometimes there's a misnomer about fullbacks. Did you know that last year there were eight personnel groupings that were used at least 100 times in the NFL? 21 personnel, two running backs, one tight end. Typically, the second running back in that scenario is the fullback. 21 personnel was number one in yards per play, number one in expected points added per play, and number one in success rate. 21 personnel, as a general rule in the NFL last year, was extremely successful. Over the last four years, no team in the league has used 21 personnel more than the New England Patriots. They've done pretty well for themselves. Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers, they used 21 personnel very effectively. In fact, no team used it more last year. On first down passes from 21 personnel, Jimmy Garoppolo averaged 10.3 yards per attempt with a 58% success rate. The Niners run from 21 personnel on 31% of all runs. The NFL average is 11%. And on those 31% of their runs that they run out of 21 personnel, they average 5.5 yards per carry and a 51% success rate. Hmm. Unless you think, well, it's just Kyle Shanahan. It's just the Niners. Let's try this again. Out of 12 personnel, the entire NFL has a 53% success rate and 7.7 yards per attempt when they pass the ball. Out of 11 personnel, the NFL as a whole has a 46% success rate and a 6.8 yards per attempt. Out of 21 personnel, the entire NFL has a 53% success rate and an 8.3 yards per attempt. 21 personnel is not just better for running the ball, it's also good for passing the ball. Well, Bruce... Are you advocating for putting the fullback on the field all the time? No, I'm saying that if you have dynamic offenses like the 49ers, if you have dynamic offense like historically the New England Patriots and they're running and passing the ball effectively out of 21 personnel, then you can't tell me that there's no value in the position. I'm not saying the Bills should roll out Patrick DeMarco on the majority of all of their plays and make 21 personnel the base offense. I'm saying you can't look at these things and then come to the conclusion that the fullback in general has no function. You can't say the fullback position has no function. Now, if you want to talk about Patrick DeMarco or Reggie Gilliam separately, you can. But the first question to answer was, should we just not keep a fullback at all? My response to that is, 
if there is a method and a path by which you can be effective passing the ball and running the ball out of 21 personnel, and there clearly is, then the position itself has value, which now means you have to move on to the next question, which is on the specifically two players involved, do they have the value? But rushing out of 21 personnel can be valuable. Passing out of 21 personnel can be value. Why is passing out of 21 personnel so valuable? Think about this for a second. If I go 21 personnel, you're going base defense or potentially heavier. Some people might even go heavier, but the vast majority of the time you're going to go base defense. In addition, the location of that fullback matters. If I have two receivers who are lined up on the far side, one flanker side, one split end side, and I bring a fullback in, I have compressed the defense. I have essentially domed the defense where the receivers on the outside have more room to operate. And if the intent of the pass play is to be on the perimeter or to have play action and get behind the linebackers, the quarterback is going to have a lot more space to work with. Because you've compressed, you've domed the defense down into the box, and now you're throwing it away from those people. There's value in that qualitatively, and it clearly shows itself in passing yards per attempt and passing success rate. So passing out of 21 personnel is valuable. Having a fullback doesn't just matter for power running. Now, you might be saying to yourself, well, Bruce... 49ers have Kyle Juszczyk. I agree. The 49ers do have Kyle Juszczyk. They do have a different style of fullback. Let me explain to you qualitatively how the Niners use 21 personnel. In their opening game against the Buccaneers, they opened the drive in 21, and they went three straight plays in 21 personnel. The first one, Kyle Juszczyk flared out to draw the linebacker away to open up a potential backside cut for the running back on a run play. That was his purpose. His purpose was to draw the linebacker away from a zone blocking play so that if the running back needed to cut it back, he would have a backside built in to a space that was abandoned by the linebacker rushing out to cover the fullback. Because in Kyle Shanahan's offense, you have to watch out for those naked bootlegs coming back behind. So that linebacker has to take the fullback seriously as a receiving threat out of the backfield and as such opens up a potential backside running lane. The second play, he was a lead block fake and he pivoted to pass blocking. So it was again an exterior run, an outside run. And Kyle Juszczyk ran up like he was lead blocking for a running back and then pivoted to hold the front side while the play went backside on the pass. The third play, Kyle Juszczyk was a lead blocker and he did a great job on that play. The fourth play was a touchdown that got called back. And this is really valuable. The San Francisco 49ers saw how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were going to respond to 21 personnel. They just had them on the field for three plays. 
and Kyle Juszczyk and George Kittle switched places. Kyle Juszczyk ended up on the line of scrimmage, and George Kittle ended up lining up in the backfield. So he switched places with George Kittle, and George Kittle came out of the backfield, got a nice little pick from who else? Yes, you're right, Kyle Juszczyk. Caught a touchdown pass, got called back for a penalty. Kyle Juszczyk is used to blocking on the move. That play was specifically designed to go to George Kittle. It was a manufactured touch for him that was only made possible by the fact that you had someone on the field who was used to getting in people's way while moving. Blocking in space, blocking while running is a lot different. Ask any offensive lineman who's had to run a draw play or a screen. Blocking in space is different. You know what position is a natural blocking in space? Fullbacks. Fullbacks. That's an example of how the Niners opened up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Three straight 21 personnel plays, and then they went for the jugular. They were able to do that in part because of what Kyle Juszczyk gives them in 21 personnel. Well, Bruce, we don't have Kyle Juszczyk. You're right, we don't. And this is important. I'm not saying we should make 21 personnel the base of this team. Because when you're evaluating what personnel grouping you want to build your offense around, there are two things to take into consideration. Your personnel value proposition and the opponent's personnel value proposition. If the opposing team is better when they have three linebackers on the field, you might not necessarily want to use 21 a lot. If you are markedly worse when you have 21 personnel in the field, you might not want to use 21 a lot. But this is not about the fullback in general. This is about talent opportunity cost. So don't be so dismissive of the fullback in general. Instead, look at the talent level of the fullback relative to two other pieces. The third wide receiver and the second tight end. Because you have personnel grouping opportunity cost. Every snap you run in 21 is one last snap you can run in 11, which is one last snap you can run in 12. So if you look at your second running back or your fullback versus your third wide receiver versus your second tight end, which one of those three players gives you more value, allows your offense to do more things? Look at the 49ers. Kyle Juszczyk gives that team more value than Kendrick Bourne. Look at New England. James Devlin got hurt and it messed up their offense. But James Devlin gave that team more value than Jacoby Myers. Let's look at the 12 personnel teams. The Vikings and the Eagles ran a lot of 12 personnel last year. Who would you rather have on the field? Irv Smith or Ola B.C. Johnson? Dallas Goddard? Or J.J. Ortega-Whiteside? These teams are doing this not because the personnel grouping is intrinsically superior. It's because the personnel is intrinsically superior. So don't just dismiss 21 because you don't like fullbacks. Don't just dismiss 12 because you don't like tight ends. 
don't just dismiss 22. Baltimore ran a ton of 22. You know why? Because Patrick Ricard added more value to their offense than Seth Roberts. And your tight end room is Andrews, Boyle, Hurst. Now it's not anymore because of trade away Hurst. Of course the Ravens ran a ton of 22 personnel. Patrick Ricard may not be a passing threat because he's not at all. But they still split him wide for personnel identification. They used him in convoy motion. The Ravens had two back-to-back losses in weeks three and four. In the weeks that immediately followed that, Patrick Ricard took 37, 37, and 39% of the offensive snaps as a fullback. Mind you, as a two-way player, he played defensive tackle as well. Now, he's not a passing threat, but the Ravens were figuring out what worked for them too. Patrick Ricard is part of that. Because if you think to yourself, okay, if I can get better and simultaneously force the defense into a package that makes them worse, why would I not do that? And for those teams, that's the case. For the Bills, you look at Patrick DeMarco or Reggie Gilliam, whichever one you keep, versus Cole Beasley. Now, I told you there was a second element to personnel value proposition. The first one is your own personnel value proposition. Your second running back versus your third receiver and your second tight end. The next thing is the opponent's personnel value proposition. If their third linebacker is someone who can't run, then maybe you want to do that. It's a value proposition. Everything in life is what you give versus what you get. And if you can make your team better and they get worse, or you make your team a little bit worse by going to 21, but you make their team get a lot a bit worse, that's still a net positive. And these are the things you have to consider when determining whether or not to keep a fullback. In general, am I going to completely remove my ability to force the defense into a personnel grouping that they don't like by cutting a fullback? I think that's valuable. Having the ability to dictate things to a defense is one of the main benefits of calling offensive plays. The idea that you can force them into things that they don't want to be in. That's one of the reasons why defenses are striving to find these elite athletic hybrid players so that they can't be forced into things that they don't want to be in. That's one of the reasons why I was all on Jeremy Chin this past year in the draft. Because I want to be able to run the same defensive personnel out there, whether they go 12, 11, or 21. If they go 22, you know, you might have to get a little bit heavy. But being forced into something you don't want to be in is bad as a defense. You as an offense will be better off if you have the ability to force that out of them. So my opinion based on all this is we should keep a fullback. Ideally, you'd like to have a talented fullback because you'd like to have a talented everything. Ideally, you'd like to have a Kyle Juszczyk. Ideally, you'd like to have a Patrick Ricard. Ideally, you'd like to have a James Devlin. But having something gives you the option and more options are better than less options. 
So I think, based on their previous experience, that they're going to keep a fullback. And I would argue that we should keep a fullback. But that's only the first of three potential options. The first option was don't keep a fullback. The second option is keep Patrick DeMarco. The third option is keep Reggie Gilliam. We are going to get into the last two options, but first we're going to take a quick break. I have defended my stance on why having a fullback matters. And now we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to go through the last two options. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Shoot me an email, too. I am Bruce Almighty at Yahoo.com. I set up a fake email for my fake pseudonym. I guess it's not a fake pseudonym. It's an actual pseudonym. But I digress. We're moving on. The first option for the Bills at fullback is don't keep one. And I have laid out my argument as to why I think we should keep one. The second argument is keep Patrick DeMarco. Why? Why keep Patrick DeMarco? I mentioned this a little bit yesterday. But Frank Gore was important to the Bills last year. What does that have to do with Patrick DeMarco, Bruce? Sean McDermott has said that they want to have a vet in every room. And we have two very young running backs. Devin Singletary, Zach Moss. The question I have to pose is, does Taiwan Jones count? Does TJ Yeldon count if he makes the team? Do they count as the quote-unquote vet in the room? Because if they don't, Patrick DeMarco might be the guy. And if you value that leadership, if you value having the vet in the room enough, you might keep DeMarco for that reason. He got the 10th most special team snaps on the team last year. So he's clearly on the field more than just the 21 personnel snaps. Also, if you cut Patrick DeMarco, you are entrusting the position to an undrafted free agent in a shortened offseason. Playing fullback is actually a little bit more complicated than you think. There's a lot that goes into playing fullback. And if you're going to entrust that position to an undrafted free agent in a weird offseason... That could come back to bite you in the butt, especially if you come across a team where you think, goodness gracious, 21 personnel would do really well this game. And we know historically that Brian Dable likes to mix up his personnel groupings. So if we run into a team where we think, you know what, 
a little dash of 21 would do us well here. And we have entrusted that position to an undrafted rookie that might be problematic. Another reason to keep Patrick DeMarco is that the Bills might not value the versatility that Reggie Gilliam gives the team. I'll tell you what I mean by this. So one of the reasons why Kyle Juszczyk is able to be successful in San Francisco is because he has versatility. You can line him up in the backfield. You can put him on the line. You can have him catch passes. You have to take him seriously as a defense. Did you know that Patrick DeMarco was lauded for his versatility coming out of South Carolina? Bleacher Report did an article where they said he was a fifth to seventh round pick and he was lauded for his versatility. Not just a lead blocker, they said. Play special teams, catch out of the backfield. Now, he wasn't the athlete that Reggie Gilliam is, but he was lauded for his versatility. Have we seen a lot of versatility in Brian Dable's scheme for the fullback? Maybe the Bills don't value having versatility at that spot. Maybe they just believe that the fullback is in there to be a lead blocker. Maybe that's the only reason why they want to have a fullback at all. Now, to be fair, like I said, Patrick DeMarco is not the athlete that Reggie Gilliam is. Patrick DeMarco, coming out of college even, wasn't close to being the athlete, even at his athletic peak. Patrick DeMarco had a relative athletic score of 2.89, which is considered to be very poor. He ran a 4.91 in the 40. He had a good three cone, but everything else was not very good. You compare that to Reggie Gilliam, and it's really not close from an athletic standpoint. It's really not close at all. To put it in perspective, Reggie Gilliam ran a 4.58. That's a lot faster. A lot faster than Patrick DeMarco. So, if the Bills don't value the thing that Reggie Gilliam gives you that Patrick DeMarco doesn't, which is the athleticism to unlock the versatility, then it's not going to matter. It's a little bit like the discussion I had last year with Josh Allen, that if he doesn't value the trait that certain wide receivers give him, then the fact that they have that trait is not relevant because it's not able to be utilized. So if Reggie Gilliam has this athleticism that would allow the Bills to unlock versatility from the fullback position, much in similar ways to the ways that other teams unlock their fullback's potential, and the Bills don't care about it, then it doesn't matter. Because Reggie Gilliam, 244 pounds, running a 4.58, having almost a 10-foot broad jump, a 4.24 short shuttle, a 6.75 three cone. These are good numbers. That's a markedly above average athlete for the fullback position. But if the Bills aren't interested in unlocking that level of versatility that comes with that athleticism, then it's not going to matter. So keeping Gilliam, which is the final option here, only really matters... If the Bills care about that, because the special teams thing might be a wash. Reggie Gilliam blocked six kicks in college 
And it wasn't like Patrick DeMarco was a really good special teams player. He just played there. He played the 10th most snaps. I'm not saying he played them super well. I'm saying he was a part of that team. He was part of the special teams unit. So if those two things are washes, the special teams, and you don't care about the versatility that would be unlocked from the athleticism that Reggie Gilliam gives you, then you might tip toward DeMarco for the leadership purposes, for having that vet in the running back room. The issue with fullbacks and tight ends in general, and the reason why 11 personnel is the most common grouping in the league, is because it's hard to find the versatility from the fullback and tight end position that allows you to make the positive value of trading away the opportunity to have a third wide receiver on the field. For most teams, their third wide receiver is going to give you more value added than the second running back and the second tight end. But if you're able to find a versatile player, that might not always be the case. I'm not saying Reggie Gilliam is better than Cole Beasley. I'm saying if the net value added to your team by having Reggie Gilliam on the field is close enough to the net value added from having Cole Beasley on the field, that's a good thing. It gives you more options. So I would keep a fullback. And yes, I would keep Reggie Gilliam. That's the conclusion. I went through whether or not we should keep one. I said yes. I went through the next option, which is keeping Patrick DeMarco. I talked about why they might do that. I talked about keeping Reggie Gilliam. That's what I would do. I would keep Reggie Gilliam. I think that having a more athletic piece in that spot opens up the opportunities for the offense to be able to take advantage of specific weekly matchups against teams who are weak against 21 personnel. Last year, it was the Vikings. The Vikings were terrible against 21 personnel. There are teams out there that struggle against specific groups. I would like the ability to be able to modify the game plan week to week to attack the thing that the defense does poorly without having to suffer a significant loss in my own personnel talent. It's the value proposition. What am I forcing them into relative to what they'd be before? And what am I forcing myself into as an offense relative to what I would be in before? So if I'm trading Cole Beasley for Reggie Gilliam, but you're trading a nickel defender for a third linebacker, which one of those drop-offs is worse? And that's what this discussion is about. It's about maximizing value that comes with personnel groupings. And that's what fullbacks can do for you. What fullbacks can do for you is they can help you find value in personnel groupings. That's why we should keep them. And that's why my personal opinion is we should keep regimenting. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumbles.
The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.